welcome to episode three of the Evolve Pod. Uh, I'm really excited for this one. The last two pods with Dan and, and Naomi have been absolutely awesome and it's been a real good way to kick off the podcast. I've got a run of really good friends and colleagues to, to interview over the coming weeks, but tonight's episode is with a really good friend of mine named Alvi. He's been a friend for about probably 10 years now. We used to live together and work together in Oxford. Uh, he was part of my crew on the Snowden Six Ways Challenge. He's a snowboarder. He's been a mountain medic. He's been a chef. And he's also founder of Notepad Studio, which is a brand agency working with ambitious companies. So there's a lot already in that introduction. But Name, how are you, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on. Honoured to be here. Hey, you're welcome. And, and we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. We've just been talking off air about the kind of direction this chat's going to go in. And I'm super excited because I found out more and more about your journey with well-being over the last probably six months than I ever really knew before. And I guess being a fellow business owner, it's really useful to get your take on what well-being means for you and your your employees kind of from that business perspective but also from from you as an individual but mm. as with every single story let's start from the beginning you grew up in Devon tell us a little bit about that it, incorrect to start with um so <laughs> yeah no I, I was born in Birmingham which is where I live now weirdly um but at the age of two I moved down south uh, to Gloucestershire um by choice not really um now my, my family chose to move uh, a little further south and then I was in Tewkesbury until I was about nine uh, and then we okay. got forced down to Devon which I can I can talk about why that happened but um that's where Devon started okay cool well yeah tell us a little bit more about the move to Devon I was under the impression you were you grew up in Devon and were causing <laughs> havoc from the age of about four but tell us a little bit more about that that move down to Devon Cool. Yeah. So, well, my nan, um, um, well, my mum's from Devon, my dad's from Pakistan. So um, growing up in Tewkesbury, we used to quite regularly go and spend the summer down at my nan's in, in the most rural kind of, you know, sort of in the dark ages village uh, in, the, in the Devonshire countryside on, on Dartmoor um over the summer so I was quite familiar with Devon and then uh yeah we never planned to move there and this I mean this is gonna um just get into kind of serious stuff quite quickly but the reason we um ended up moving was I think I was about nine at the time um year four year five and uh completely unbeknown to us obviously because you don't really know what your parents are up to my dad um as he did a few times in his life um filed for bankruptcy just just kind of immediately lost everything so we lost uh the house we lost I think they had another property in Birmingham at the time we lost both got repossessed and uh, it was a really awful day actually I kind of remember getting um getting up being told we were moving to Devon being told we couldn't tell our friends we were going couldn't say goodbye so I ended up running across the road to the school and um just seeing if I saw any of my mates walking in in the morning because we only lived like I don't know, three or four minutes walk away. Um, and my mate James Bolton, who I, you know, I haven't seen since I was nine, um, was walking in and I was like, James, tell everyone we're moving to Devon. And he was like, what? And I was like, yeah, we're moving to Devon. See you later, mate. And then, uh, yeah, we went. So we just packed up the van. We went down to, to Devon. We lived in my nan's property down there, who ironically had moved up to Tewkesbury to be close to us and just had the property down there with no one in. And it was a bit run down and stuff. I think there were um obviously it was a, it was a kind of financial necessity for us to go there so 
I think mum and dad had a room and I think all four of us. So my, I, I think this was the case. I can't really remember if, if my sister was in the room with us as well, but four siblings in one bedroom for um, about a year, I'd say we lived there while they tried to get um, shit sorted. Um, so yeah, that kind of very quickly took us from rural, not less rural living, kind of town living to really countryside living really, really fast, which is quite a shock. Uh, to the system when you you're not used to to living so, in the wild kind of thing but so to the, the age of nine and what literally up stick up sticks and go in the space of 24 hours that's yeah uh, man that's it was pretty, weird pretty, pretty full on so then the age of nine so the next the next few years sort of getting used to rural life yeah I mean those those few years obviously were quite uh high octane you know quite quite um unstable I'd say from a an upbringing sort of perspective we went to I probably went to about four four or five primary schools in the case of about two years I think um some great schools though you know I can't I can't sort of that one of the things that we did find actually going down there was to go from a school where you had 30 people in each class and one teacher obviously teaching that class to to end up in a primary school in in Lamerton in Devon uh, where the entire school had 28 kids and uh, year six you know the year I was in had six children and we nice. um, and we and we had one teacher obviously teaching six so it was like being private school kind of and um, so much so that actually me and my mate um, Justin actually ended up finishing the English curriculum like four months early and for the rest of the year any English lesson we just had to read books which was lovely because I love uh, reading and um, so yeah it was it was a pretty weird um pretty weird transition do you think that that relationship with reading was born out of keeping yourself occupied and keeping yourself your mind kind of busy at a young age probably not a conscious decision but maybe something that you kind of took to because I know you, you kind of absorb information from books these days and whether there's that, that kind of link up from 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 childhood yeah I, th- I think yeah I, I, I you know I kind of knowing this podcast was coming I was trying to think about well-being and the, and the things that I've sort of fallen in love with growing up and stuff and I think an awful lot of what I'm passionate about was about escapism I think it was about the you know the reading was Roald Dahl's kind of my favorite um author and and just escaping into those stories and and escaping into a book was a good way to get away when the outdoors wasn't an option and um, and I think what living on Dartmoor then gave us through our teens kind of was the outdoors you know there's nothing else you know living down in in um the house we ended up living in for at least a few years down there kind of year seven to year nine I guess um we had nothing to do in that you know we we didn't have transport the the closest city was Plymouth which was 20 miles away and that's 20 miles of country road so it's about an hour and you know on a bus um so the only thing we could do was build jumps for our bikes and, and skateboard and play football and cause havoc around the village basically and um, and that was yeah and I think that's where my passion for extreme sports actually started because I we had to get out of the house you know it was it it, it, it to say it got better kind of after that initial move it didn't really it got worse in terms of a you know a nice place to be it was a very tense kind of household growing up so me and my little brother Nasser you know really well and was, was on the Snowden challenge as well we we both just as from the moment we woke up we'd smash some breakfast and we'd get outside you know we'd be out for 
I have memories of us, I'm sure, being outside for the whole day as well without eating and then coming back for dinner, which is, is just insane. Because now if I don't eat for an hour, I'm like <laughs> livid. <laughs> but that's amazing because the thing that springs to mind straight away is that it's almost been, for you and Nas, it's almost been the, the outdoors has been your, and, and the books has been your escape and has been almost a kind of coping mechanism or an, a, a way of, preserving your well-being from from a really young age and that's I guess in a, in a scenario that's not necessarily that good that's quite a strong thing to come out of it because obviously it's it's helped sort of uh, brew you into who you are today which is which is quite interesting I mean that, that, that outdoor the passion for the outdoors that's that's led you to some you know some really cool places tell us a little bit more about that that sort of journey you know with the snowboarding and the, and the medic and stuff like that yeah so I well I mean it again kind of prompted from sort of sort of escaping the situation I think so I also I don't want to paint a picture of having the worst childhood ever I think you know many people had way worse upbringings than us but we certainly had some some rough you know shit go on at times and um, yeah which which I think prompted us all in different ways to try and escape um as soon as we could and I I think you know everyone all three of us um went to uni uh, as soon as we could straight out of school because we knew that was the the first ticket away um I went down to Falmouth obviously and then you know sort of had the sea and and more skateboarding and, and surfing and stuff down there um but then yes yeah, as, as soon as uni finished I knew that my my kind of next step was was actually getting further away um and and experiencing the world um you know re re regardless of having anything set up and stuff but just trying to trying to yeah get some experiences and um third year of uni I think I went on a um my first ever uh trip to the mountains my sister was doing a ski season out in France and me and Nas went and spent a week out there and, and learned to snowboard and um, I know you've been through the same experience but just immediately fell in love uh with, with snowboarding so knew I wanted to do a season um and, and that took me out to Canada and, and I ended up doing I did four seasons in a row so I kind of followed the snow so I did I did Canada then over to back to France um for a season there working as a chef uh, and a ski reporter which is an awesome job um literally just reporting on races and being paid to, to do it nice. um, and then that company agreed that if I wanted to go out to New Zealand they'd continue to pay me like a small amount of money just to report on the scene out there so I ended up doing that and working in a hotel and um yeah, New Zealand was a weird one because I, I I ended up putting my degree to good use as well and managed to get a job in in their broadsheet newspaper um, as a court reporter, obviously having zero uh, experience in, in that subject. <laughs> Turning up in the courtroom Monday morning, not knowing what the hell I was doing, not knowing the rules, not knowing how to do shorthands. Yeah, yeah, it was all this massive learning curve. Um, but the other thing that's, that's, I mean, New Zealand's an amazing culture, I, th I think, in terms of, wanting people to progress really quickly that their, their trust in you know your your um, enthusiasm is is insane really you know there's no reason to hire me other than I clearly wanted the job and and told them I'd work hard but um locally as well when, when I was doing a lot of snowboarding out there I was I was getting to a point where I was competing so I was I was doing um some park competitions but mainly kind of free ride uh, competitions and started to like you know get a couple of like competition entries paid for and things like that which was cool um 
and a few of the guys were like how much training have you done in the backcountry because you really need to be kind of clued up out here in terms of survival and stuff and I was like yeah nothing <laughs> um, so they were like oh you should volunteer with the Red Cross um in in Queenstown and they'll as long as you you know you do your service as kind of a first aider at um events and stuff then then they'll give you all this training and just the training was unbelievable I, I think like I've forgotten a lot of it now but I I got to like pre-hospital emergency care which is out there is like just below paramedic <laughs> kind yeah, of thing yeah. in some areas you know yeah. it's not like I had the full qualification but at least emergency response stuff I was quite high um and that took me to some crazy places you know we, we did a few um kind of mountain rescue situations which was really scary and you know I didn't enjoy it at all looking back on it I, I'm definitely not cut out to be a first aider and um ended up doing first aid at the uh Wanaka Ironman as well which oh, I know wow. you've done some Ironman events yeah, yeah. yeah and that was that was awful as well we um you know there was, it was really well run and everything but um just faced with situations that were way beyond my capability you know people going into full-on shock or, or breaking bones and stuff and me you know knowing how to do a sling is, is not gonna it's not gonna help sort of thing put them in um, a sling for heat stroke Except <laughs> yeah, didn't work that when i tried it um yeah so um and then uh the the kind of um final thing i did with them which was um yeah it was, was challenging with support around the christchurch and earthquake which was obviously devastating out there and you know lots of very horrific um uh situations um and and we ended up just doing pastoral care so just kind of being the people out there to to have a conversation with people that had lost people and stuff but um yeah i kind of learned that you know as as much as i i gave it my all i'm just not cut out for <laughs> first aid but definitely i think there's you know you've got to go on a journey to find out what you want to do right um i'm still on that journey with me and i think you 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 have to trial trial some things out to see whether they're going to work for you Mm. and that's all part of the journey that kind of makes you who you are and makes you decide on what it is that actually gives you that passion um which kind of leads me on a little bit to the to the the next area of of your well-being and you said something to me only this week which I'm really really interested in and I really appreciate you like giving me the opportunity to talk and for the listeners to hear this but you said to me earlier that your reason for starting your own business was primarily for your own well-being mm. and that now we'll come to it a bit later your well-being within the business for your employees is equally as important but I really want to kind of touch on that as in you know what was it that kind of triggered you to go hang on a minute I need to run my own business because of x y and z mm. that's a good question because it seems kind of kind of counterintuitive doesn't it because it's bloody stressful running a business yeah um, <laughs> so I, I think there's a there's a quick answer and there's a there's a, a longer answer so I'll, I'll give you the quick answer first and then I'll, I'll try and give you the, the context but I, I think in in my industry so in you know the, the kind of advertising creative industry world this is well known but you know it, it is a a quite quite famous for for long hours and you know treating juniors quite badly you know you kind of you do your years of of sort of staying till late and and sacrificing everything in your life and, and having no balance and all of that sort of thing and and you know, I'm not saying that every agency I worked in prior to, to starting my own was like that but um I certainly saw you know the 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 sort of the downside of of agency culture and um 
But yeah, my my you know the the last agency I was in was a great agency actually, and it, it did do a lot to try and protect its people and build culture. But unfortunately, it grew really fast, and that really put a lot of pressure on the staff. And I got to a point where I was I think I was probably burnt out. You know, most people don't manage to diagnose it when it happens, but I was I was pretty run down. Um, so I kind of had to leave partly because you know I just didn't have anything left to kind of give, but also had this underlying motivation that I wanted to I wanted to try and build an agency that put that first so put the employee experience at the center of of an agency it's really common in our industry as well to kind of do two years at an agency get some experience with certain clients and move on and I'm just convinced that if we can actually think about how do we build careers in this in this industry rather than kind of short term do a job move on or go freelance which is where most people end up and do that by, you know, really focusing on on employee well-being and my own well-being within the business. I'd build something I was proud of, but also I'd, I'd show the industry, you know, that had kind of had got me to that point that it could be done. Um, and and so that that's kind of the short answer. The longer answer is it, it does go back to um, that that tumultuous childhood uh, that I spoke about. Um, which I'll, I'll, I'll share because I think I think it's it is relevant and it's not something I've really spoken about, but I, I am comfortable talking about it. So, you know, after that that kind of move to um, to Devon and sort of growing up in this very uh, unstable household, and just to give that context, you know, both both mum and dad have uh, I, I'd say quite serious mental health issues. You know, depression. Um, my dad's bipolar both alcoholics you know I'd, I'd say functioning alcoholics almost I'd say but they've they've always you know been definitely um reliant on alcohol and and lots of kind of never never physical kind of violence growing up really but um definitely kind of emotional violence if you know what I mean so lots of ma- emotional manipulation lots of bullying uh, kind of as a as a you know a way of operating we ate our dinner in silence you know if you made if you made noise you know you've kind of you were bollock sort of thing and and um all of you know which is impossible because you know me you know nas as well and we're extremely giggly loud people so <laughs> that, that, yeah. that was that was never going to work um and yeah and and the reason for you know for a lot of that and and i'm not saying this to, to criticize my parents because i think anyone that manages to bring up four kids you know in in their day and age, our, our day and age, deserve some credit, you know, particularly when they're, they're as energetic as the four of us. But um, And we all turned out, you know, fair, fair, even if we took a weird route to get here, we all turned out pretty pretty successful in our fields. Um, yeah, I, I, and I'm not saying it to kind of criticise them some, so heavily, but I, I look back on it and I think about the, you know, the situations we found ourselves in, which were all re- really revolving around money. So it was always... Yeah. You know, my my dad just had this unnecessary <laughs> desire to continually come up with a new business idea, and it would, you know, it would go from he's running, uh, he's selling wine into the UK, or he's import, he's exporting rice into India, or he's decided to set up his own, uh, you know, sort of um, local shop, or or you know, and 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 all of this was was kind of like he just had this. He was quite good at the bit at the beginning, you know, getting the the premise, getting the the lights on, sort of thing. But then when it came to actually running the business, it was it was just disastrous, and and partly because his his temper was so volatile as well. So we we had really horrible things happen to us growing up, like regularly, 
uh, bailiffs would just kind of break through the doors and, and take the TV, take the sofa. And you'd sort of be sat there like, are we going to talk about this? You know, and, and no one would say anything. And we'd just kind of go to bed or go and find something else to do. And um, yeah, it just, it got kind of up and down, you know, people coming around to the house demanding money every now and again. And that's partly why we moved so much as well, I think, because we ended up having to. You know, because my mum always said that, you know, he's, he's built up a lot of enemies over the years, which I thought was normal when I was little. And I look back on it now and I'm like, who has enemies in this day and age? Like, you're not you're not Harry Potter. You know, you're it's, it's such a mad thing yeah. to, to to have in modern society. But he does. And so, yeah. So it, and it all kind of came to a head when I was uh, at uni. And um, I mean, I feel for Nass more so because he was at home at the time and all this happened. But. They ended up doing some terrible business deal um, and ripping some people off. And um, dad ended up getting arrested. And well, they both got arrested, I think. And then dad ended up getting convicted for fraud. And I went to jail uh, for a couple of years, which is a pretty weird experience. Um, I only went in once to see him. And it was, yeah, heavy, awful situation, you know, to see your dad in, in the grey uniform and, and all that sort of thing. Um, but yeah so I, I kind of you know and that regardless of that that situation that all happened you know we've we don't really have much a relationship with them now you know it's 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 hanging on by a thread you know I'd kind of say with with me and Nass and, and um you know I, I I don't think it's it's um in a position where it's going to be easy for us to build you know kind of foundations back again but to be fair, I think it's better for both sides, you know, that we we kind of just have that separate lifestyle um, and get in touch when the big important stuff happens, like yeah. people get ill and stuff. But um, so that's that's the kind of the, the situation we had growing up. And I, I, I always just used to look at it. And and certainly as I, I then went on in my career and looked at it and thought, like, what were you doing? Like, what on earth was the the business model there? What was the. What was the plan, you know, for those businesses that you started? Because like, the other thing, like, and not to, you know, to just uh, <laughs> load all of this onto you, um, but the, you know, from kind of the age of 12 upwards, we spent quite a bit of time out of school because we ended up being the staff for a lot of these businesses. So, um, oh, okay. yeah, man. Like, well, we'd, we'd, like all hands on deck, kind of. Yeah, like the three of us, because it was, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's, it's an Islamic culture. So my, my sister wasn't often roped into it, but she had to do weird things like the accounts and stuff like that. Whereas, um, you know, we were the physical lads kind of thing. So we had to do the heavy lifting. So when we were, you know, delivering 40 kilo sacks of rice, it would be up to us to unload them from the van and stuff. And the model was based on that as its staffing structure you know three three kids that aren't paid is the way that the business runs so obviously that's not sustainable because what happens when we leave or we just refuse to do it or whatever um and yeah so I, I just kind of had this sense of one you know I've really seen the downside of of businesses run badly you know and 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 personally going through that that pain over and over again and um and I just had this desire to, with Notepad, to. I've always wanted to build something for myself, and I, I think deep down, I probably do have this burning motivation to kind of show my dad, but to show the world that I can run a business properly. And, um, and then within that as well, you know, running a business that is an absolute joy to be in, because you know, I, I think I, I, it's taken me a little while to become comfortable with this because I. You know, lefty liberal I, I kind of um 
the whole idea of capitalism is always a bit scary, but I, I do believe in business and I, I think capitalism makes sense, you know, from a business perspective. I think when you make money and provide value, you can do more good things in the world. And, and as long as you don't exploit the system too hard, it's a good thing to be doing. Um, so, sorry, very long with this way of saying, but that, that's kind of what motivated me to, to kick off um, Notepad. And that's, I think, probably deep down what continues to drive me to, to grow it as fast as we are growing it. That's great. I mean, it's really good to understand the drivers for, for setting up and running your own business, because on the face of it, you've, you've got a very successful business. But I think it kind of shows more about the kind of the, the drivers and the reasons for success rather than just the purely financials. It's the, it's the ambition. It's to show the plan. It's to show that. And going back to what you said originally in your shorter answer about almost showing the industry that there is another way. That the, 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 you know people talk about corporate burnout all the time. That that doesn't have to be the answer. That doesn't have to be the dog mm. eat, dog eat dog world that it that it that it has been. And there's definitely you know there's some changes coming through now. Um, how about well being for yourself? You know I run my own business. Um, I know what it takes. I know how demanding it can be, how awesome it can be, and how stressful it can be. The times when you're really finding it tricky to keep everything on a balance what do you do to look after yourself drink loads of alcohol no <laughs> um, <laughs> sometimes um i think the um yeah i mean the last few months have been the, the pandemic is it's just multiplied that i think for for everyone running a business you know it's it's kind of it's already hard enough and then you throw in the fact that you can't you, know, you can't see people and people aren't spending as much money and all of that um i think that the place i've always there's a few things I've, I've, i would i would say have helped um you know i, I consider myself firstly very lucky to, to you know to be in a house where you know i've got my own space to work in and, and my fiance anna's got her own space as well and our only responsibility at this stage in our life is a dog who is you know hard work but she's not a she's not a child which would be harder work and so you know and, and actually she's been great Luna I mean not Anna for um needing walks um in, in the morning and stuff so that's got me outside but um I mean you know the whole reason I, I joined you on that Snowden um challenge and probably wasn't fully as trained as I should have been for it but still made <laughs> still made it um was um just because lockdown and this whole year really is as prompted me to kind of fall back in love with running um and it you know I was listening to your podcast with Dan and he, he articulated it so well that it, it's it is like a it's a painful experience when you're running isn't it particularly at the moment because it's dark and cold and you know you just want to sit on the sofa and eat, eat chocolate but um and it's not often nice when you are doing it but that feeling afterwards I've noticed that tenfold during lockdown of of just having a very calm mind of you know being a being in a better mood you know being more helpful in the house like all of those things just seem to come from um running and I you know I've had a couple of days where for whatever reason uh you know Anna's walked the dog in the morning whereas I normally do and I've ended up just going straight you know into work and then I haven't gone for a run in the evening and I just feel horrendous like if I haven't found that time to get outside and to you know and I, I don't get to run in you know beautiful 
kind of countryside that you do i'm running around the streets of birmingham which <laughs> were, were recent streets of birmingham. yeah were recently used to to depict uh, the apocalypse in ready player one so um <laughs> i you know it's it, we do have some bits of, of grass around us but um even that you know it's it's a, it is definitely the the thing that keeps me on the level i would say as a um in my day-to-day -day. and i think more practically in the business that it's taken me a long time actually to get really stable i think in my own stresses because you know it's, it's it's hard work running a business and you know cash is is a constant concern you know when you're you're running it organically and without investment and um and people you know take work people are unpredictable and you know you've got to invest a lot and, and be the leader all the time and, and be that positive face of the business um but there are things i've done which really helped me like writing my to-do list the night before that is like a big one get it out your head get it exactly. kind of set for the morning um, and yeah. having a really clear plan to the point where i think I'm, i've gone so far with it now we've, we've i just did a um a course with aston uni um in in their business school and we did a uh as an exercise to create a five-year growth plan so we've literally got our, our plan for the next five years dialed down by the year by the month so that gives me a lot of you know headspace because i don't have to worry so much about how we're going to do it we just have to do it now which is the the exciting bit um so yeah so i think it's it's a balance of, of exercise I, you know i think i i do drink i try not to drink as much uh as i as i used to when we lived together um <laughs> and um yeah and i you know i i think it's it i can see the 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 impact it will have if i eat right as well and 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 you know going back to what you guys said on the last one as well sleep if you sleep well you feel amazing don't you and it's badly all, it's all intertwined you know that that day when you don't go out for the run and you start to feel that negativity or that disappointment or the frustration starts to creep in that in turn has a knock-on effect on what you eat and the what you drink oh, and yeah. how you, how you yeah. sleep and they're all these little facets of well-being they're all totally intertwined but certainly i think we're kind of aligned on you know the snowboarding and the running certainly that they're, they're two ways that you just get that movement and that absolute pure freedom even if it's 20 minutes you know you go around the block for 20 minutes just get outside and get running but you mm. come you come back with a different mindset you might still have the same stresses but i find and i get the feeling you find you can approach them differently because you've given it some space rather than yeah. sat there sort of fretting and not actually getting anything done about it it's really good to hear you you know as a business owner promoting that sort of behavior because i, I i'm sure you do i i know a lot of people within the sort of corporate world who probably don't prioritize those behaviors enough or even at all and you can see mm -hmm. it you can see it in you know how it manifests in their behaviors and etc so let's carry on along the kind of the work line what do you sort of what how, where do you value well-being for your employees obviously you you promote it and, and prioritize it highly for yourself um, i guess you have that same priority for your employees but how do you draw that balance between getting the best out of them, allowing them to be the best versions of themselves and also, you know, hitting the numbers for the business. Yeah, I, I, so it's a really good question, particularly when you're trying to build a business where the model typically relies on long hours. You know, that that's how agencies work. They, you know, they, they're not profitable unless people work 12 hour days. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's my biggest challenge really to try and find that balance. But 
I'd say we have. I think the there's a couple of things. The 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 fortunate position I'm in is that I've seen how not to do it, you know, over over and over again. I've seen the 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 things that people do that make people suffer. So um, bad planning, bad project planning, you know, not not giving enough time to do work, not giving enough freedom to do the work well, all of those sorts of things really have an impact on, you know, creative um, creative people's well-being, I think, and probably most people's well-being. Um, but then, you know, I when I launched Notepad, I, I basically just, when I thought about my first hire, I wrote the job description for the job I would want to be offered. So I, I just thought, what can I do? You know, this might not make complete financial sense, but what would I expect and what would I want? And so I did a lot of, of reading into that and speaking to, to other business owners to understand what works and what doesn't work. So um, from the beginning, we've been totally flexible, uh, totally remote if you want to. You know, it's, it's kind of a, a work from where you work best approach, um, which has definitely helped because people have that balance. Um, the, the other things I've kind of thrown in are I looked at the unlimited holiday um, thing that a lot of tech companies do. And actually speaking to... Um, a guy that runs a really successful tech company called Buffer. You might have heard of them. It's a social media scheduling tool. It's founded in Birmingham, so one of Birmingham's uh, hero stories. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's you know he's got a team of a hundred people, completely remote around the world. He lives in Hawaii half the year and um, up in the mountains in Colorado half the year. It's a pretty sweet life. Um, but he tried the unlimited holiday thing, and and he said that it's cool to be able to say that. You know, and if you want to get lots of job applications, then great. But the, the problem with that model is you're, you're then putting the pressure on the employee because the rule is you can take as much holiday as you want, but you have to make sure your work's done. You make sure your work's managed. And what he actually found in the first year of doing it is people took half the amount of holiday they should have taken. And um, so he's gone the other way. And I think this is, you know, if we could get to this point, this would be amazing. But we don't have the profitability of a tech company just yet. Um, he now offers more holiday than his competitors which is what we do so we, we offer um 25 days of standard plus bank holidays so like 33 uh, in the year um but he will also at buffer if you if you take all of those holiday days in the year you get paid an extra five grand at the end of the year wow, okay. um just because he wants people to you know to take the time off and to feel better yeah. so we can't do that just yet um but you know that's definitely something we're um I'd, I'd be happy to to experiment with as we grow um and I, yeah I think the other the other thing that really drives us as a team and this gets more into the the work that we do with businesses but it is around our values so it's it's around having really clear values as a company that everyone knows and understands what they actually mean because I think values are such empty statements a lot of the time you know it's we're integrity is a value for us and you know and always delivering and it's like well those are just things that you would expect human beings to do at work yeah. like you know you wouldn't you wouldn't ever say one of your values is honesty because like you know you don't you're not gonna hire people that lie like it's it they aren't real values <laughs> um so we you know we focus on i'll see if i can remember all six of them but we, we've um we've got be kind be human uh be selfless um radical optimism which i'll talk about in a sec um what are the other two radical always be learning and Put, putting you on the spot yeah fuck. what is it always be learning all right you'll come back to me i don't know um it's obviously not that important we'll, we'll remove that value um <laughs> yeah and but but those are if you think about those values that i just listed that they're very human 
you know deep down the way that you act values as opposed to delivering work sort of thing and that's because I, I from the beginning have just wanted to create a culture that I think will be conducive to to, to kind of success and to and to and success for me is, is brilliant creative work and, and having the freedom to do it um and and they are actually very active in the way that we make decisions so you know if it's not if we're not being totally selfless or, or totally open with people, then we force ourselves to be. And what that's done, and, and I want to keep that going as we grow, and I know it'll be a challenge, but it's created, at least from a, a point of view of being able to stand up and speak, a very flat culture. So, you know, everyone everyone has a voice and I try my hardest, you know, to not be, to ever be a dictator and to, you know, to listen and to let people speak up. And that that I think is is massive for well-being because if if people are heard and if people know that they're they you you see them as as you know super intelligent people which they are you know because you're 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 treating them as the you know for their genius that's why you've hired them and um, but if if they can see that and they can they can feel that sort of trust really in in you know the way that you you operate with them and. Um, then that yeah that's massive for well-being and, th- and then we do like the you know every kind of business in a pandemic we're looking at ways to try and stay connected at the moment so you know it's difficult isn't it over kind of zoom all the time but we've got slack and we we have our daily um kind of stand-up meetings which are kind of half work focused half what did you do last night sort of thing um and we do um kind of virtual drinks on a friday where we we tend to play some random virtual game together and, and just kind of chill out at the end of the week which uh, to be honest is, is probably something we're going to carry on because I didn't realize it would be quite so effective but people really look forward to it and it's like a, a nice way to end the week and well, that, um, that really says a lot about the culture that you guys have managed to build and that comes from both yourself being at the guy at the top but also the people that you've taken on as well they've obviously bought into what you see as your core values and your ethos and then that kind of breeds within itself to, to to kind of turn into this sort of team or a tribe similar to again what I spoke with with Dan where everybody knows their their separate positions but they all kind of integrate and work together and I think going back to that that feeling of you know when you're part of a team or you're part of a group or a tribe you don't necessarily have to speak all the time but you want to trust that when you do speak you're going to be listened to or you're going to be yeah. heard and, mm. and that like you say is so important for well-being because that can when you want to speak it could be positive it may not be positive but you know mm. the, having the, the comfort or the the understanding that your your opinion or your view or your feedback is going to be listened to I think is really really strong um are there any particular kind of wins that you've had with with well-being in the workplace I know you've kind of you've talked about the Friday night sort of sessions but there, has there been any kind of light bulb moments that you've gone oh man that's really cool and it's really working and I can see my team sort of thriving yeah so I mean there's yeah there's a couple of things like one of the things I struggle with with setting up an agency is every agency I've worked in previously had a huge drinking culture and you know it's probably what attracted me to work uh, in agencies and and in journalism before that um was was the lunchtime beers um and I you know as as I kind of started it and I was sort of getting to a point I mean I sound like an old man but I, I was getting to a point where I was like you know I don't want to be hammered every day and I don't want to be hammered every weekend anymore but am I now building a business where everyone's going to be expecting <laughs> to be hammered every week um and and it's been really interesting because I you know I, you tend to attract you know employees that 
you hope that share the same values as you so maybe this is why this is happening but um or maybe it's a sign of the times but actually the the there, there isn't really a massive desire to get hammered all the time and that's been quite surprising for me because I know other agencies that are very successful and still have that culture and um, for whatever reason we, uh, we do you know we've, we've had some big nights out and you know got, got very very drunk but um, it's just not a, a kind of a, the fabric of what holds us together I think it's it's actually more a desire to to build something really cool and to you know to build a business that we're all really proud of and um the 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 other thing that we've been doing through lockdown and again we're definitely going to carry it on like one of my um my heroes is a a guy called david hyatt that runs hyatt denim and the do lectures and, and all sorts of amazing things but um he has this this practice in his business where he tries to spend at least 10% of his time working on the business and 90% working in it. So there's that time every week to focus on working on the business um, and the same for his team. So, he, you know, he frees up 10% of their time and it's a, you know, it's a genes factory. So you've, you've got a, that's pretty amazing really for the whole team to not work 10% of the week when the whole task is get genes out the door um, to focus on working on the business. And so we've through lockdown, we've, we've introduced these weekly, we call them collaboration sessions but they're kind of momentum meetings I guess where the team spend an hour hour and a half and that the only objective really is to think about how can we help Notepad thrive you know it's not there's no agenda really on what the challenge is this week or anything it's just something like you know we've, we've noticed this gap someone spotted something and they want to suggest something and then we'll we'll create something together and what's been really cool for me is the last few weeks I've been insanely busy, so I haven't been able to make them quite often. I've kind of had to left leave the team to it. And the last one um, they had last week, I just got sent the notes afterwards, and it was amazing. It was like this entire <laughs> breakdown of this new product offering for Notepad and why that's going to be amazing for the business and how it's going to fit into our process and how much we're going to charge and all of this stuff, you know, that that is has just been created by the team. And I've always wanted the team to get to a point where they can work on that stuff without needing my seal of approval. That's absolutely awesome. That's so cool that you've got a group of people that are, you know, helping you achieve your goal mm. and helping you, or, or not even helping you, all of you together are, are building this awesome team that's, and, and, the, and the ideas are organically growing from the inside of this team. It's not necessarily being led by you as such. Mm. It's kind of like you say, you can step away for a couple of weeks and, and you now have that trust that things are going to happen. Ideas are going to be generated. Action's going to be made. That's amazing. That's so cool. Because there's so so many, again, again, you probably know as many as I do, people who potentially run their own businesses, but everything has to be done, you know, their way through them like you know you've got to follow what I do all the time and I think things are changing now and I think mm. it's very much kind of trust in your staff give them a little bit of direction and then let them you know particularly in your industry that kind of creative industry let them roll with it that's when the real good mm. ideas flow you know oh that's that's really cool to hear really cool to hear um and kind of sort of wanting to sort of start to wrap it up again again now I guess uh one thing for the listeners, if you've got, um, there may be someone out there who's contemplating starting their own business. What what sort of three simple, quick tips of advice would you throw out there for them? Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, firstly, do it because it's, you know, it's bloody hard, but it's um, really fun. Um, I'd say 
I'm trying to sort of balance the, you know, I, I'm kind of aware that I've I've spoken about a lot of the sort of the the context of why I, you know, I started a business and, and all of that sort of thing. But I and I I think that that hopefully shows that you you don't have to come from a position of knowing all the right people and you know knowing having all the right contacts and and that sort of thing I, I, this is slightly off topic but I think it's a cool point that I heard today I, I think it was Malcolm Gladwell that said it but he talks about the advantage of disadvantage so you know rather than the advantage of privilege you've you've, you've experienced what it's like to not have all the advantages of, of life in certain ways and that to me actually is a real source of strength because it's it's where I get this I've mentioned one of my values being relentless uh, optimism and um, that that is true for me no I, I genuinely believe that that you know I've, I've been to some really pretty horrible places but if that's the worst you know if that's as low as things can go then I'm not really that fussed you know I have this this I guess stoicism or, or sort of resilience in me that that probably is why I like to run long distances and, and throw myself off big jumps on a snowball because I, I I have that probably that slight switch in my brain that doesn't worry so much about the risk um but I'm not saying everyone has that but I but what I mean is is um in terms of growing your own business if you're going to do it um you know don't be afraid to take those risks you you have to ultimately you you know you can't be so conservative that the business doesn't move forward and it's scary particularly at these sorts of times but um the things that have always given me confidence are having amazing people around you and that's that's not just your team you know i've i've, I've always lived by make sure you hire people and um, that are smarter than you that's like rule one you know get people that do things you can't do um but also you know just don't be afraid to ask for help because people have already made the mistakes that you're going to make so you know go and find them and ask them before you go out there and make a mistake and don't sleep because you made that mistake you know like that you you, you kind of want to you want to get as much support and advice around you as, as you can um and yeah the, the other the other kind of more pragmatic things obviously keep an eye on cash and and when you do have lots of cash in the bank don't think that's going to last forever try and be conservative with holding on to some of it don't spend it all on laptops which we've done a couple of times um you know try and try and hold on to some money um and yeah the other one which which is i guess the theme really of what we've spoken about but invest everything you can in your people you know and, and by that i mean not money you know pay obviously pay great salaries but invest your energy and your time in in trying to help them be better at what they do because the business at the end of the day particularly in our field is its people and and you know we we, we say this more and more to all the the brands that we work with if we do a you know a massive rebrand project for a company and we don't manage to get the people excited about it or to understand it then it's completely going to fall flat because ultimately brand is perception isn't it we're trying to we're trying to you know shift the way that the company is perceived and that comes down to the people and, and ultimately the people's happiness and well-being and um you know uh just ability to do their job well is all going to come from your leadership really in, in the business so yeah make sure they've they've um they've got what they need to do their job and then just get out of the way awesome well name that was Oh, I don't really know the right words to say. That was a really, really interesting 45 minutes, whatever it's been. It's I've got to know more about you than I ever <laughs> thought I would, which is really cool. It's like, it's, it's you know, 
every day's a school day even with your mates you kind of you find out more about your mates and it's, it's as much as this is recorded for a podcast it has felt like a genuine conversation which is really really nice it's amazing to see you thriving it's amazing to see notepad thriving you've done some work for evolve Wellbeing group which is my my company which has been a brilliant a brilliant help in helping us build our brand and build our awareness which i'm forever thankful for and yeah man it's just cool to have a chat right yeah it's really nice man it's weird that we've never spoken about this stuff before there's something in you wearing those professional looking headphones and having a professional <laughs> microphone that just opens me up i don't know what it is but um, all the gear no idea yeah. right yeah exactly you just look really professional so i feel like i have to take it seriously oh but mate thank you very much for giving up your time genuinely appreciate it and i know the listeners will as well um so everybody thank you very much for tuning in again this is the uh, the evolve pod uh please give us a review a review and uh, uh rate us on itunes and i look forward to bringing you more awesome content next week cheers everybody